Hi, this is Tony Ruggiero, and you're listening to the Tour Coach Podcast. Well, we're rolling into fall here on the Tour Coach. And for the fall, just like we've been doing for the last couple of years here on the Tour Coach, I'm going to be bringing you lots of chats, interviews, roundtable discussions on what we do, how we do it, from players to coaches to caddies, students. All of this comes from my travels that are on tour or to Old Palm or from here in Mobile or wherever it is I go around this country, or around the world, teaching and coaching at the game of golf that I love. So hopefully, if you listen, you're going to like what you hear. There's there's lots and lots of info and content coming your way that I think are going to help all of you understand and play the game even better or, or coach the game. We've got so many coaches that listen to this tour coach podcast. So appreciate all of you that have gone along with me on this journey for the tour coach. I didn't necessarily know where I was going with it when I started this, this when the Dew Sweepers radio show ended on XM Sirius. Uh, but I can tell you that it has given me so much freedom and creativity to be able to talk a little more and a little more in depth and bring all of you a behind the scenes, inside the ropes look at what me and my team do and the people that we associate with it and how you can use us as a resource to help you get better at the game of golf. Look, and if you like what you hear on the tour coach, also make sure you check out our pro work video series, which is available for you on YouTube and my YouTube channel. If you just go on YouTube and type in pro work, it'll pull up the episodes that are out there. Some really, really great stuff that takes you behind the scenes and inside the ropes. And before I let you go to the tour coach, special thanks to my sponsors that have all been with me for such a long time. Shrixon Golf, been with them over 20 years. Can't find anybody better in the equipment side of the world. Bushnell Golf, such a big part of what we're doing with pro work and what I do day to day, especially with the Launch Pro. Vineyard Vines, Ian and Shep, Amber and the folks there always keep me looking great. We've been such great partners for a good long time. And lastly, McConnell Automotive uh, here in Mobile, Alabama. Mitch McConnell and the gang, there's nobody that has supported me longer. I mean, they're unbelievable. And the folks at Buick GMC for supporting the Dew Sweepers radio show, as well as the tour coach, and as well as pro work. So check out McConnell Automotive and Buick GMC. And lastly, our, my friend Blaine Stokely and Stokely's Midtown Garden Express here in Mobile. Those folks keep the dew sweepers and keep the pro work and the tour coach and all of our content alive and well for all of you that love the game and want to learn. Enjoy the Tour Coach Podcast, which is coming your way right now. All right, so joining me here on the Tour Coach, a uh, good friend of mine. I could go on and on about the accolades, Hall of Fame teacher, top 50 Top 100, uh, accomplished so much. I think one of the most important things when you look at a teacher's career, too, is the influence and the lives and the teachers he touches and influences. And it would be hard to think of anybody that's done more of that. I'm certainly one of the people he's helped a great deal and had a huge influence, Mr. Mike Adams. Mike, what's up? And thanks for sitting in with me. Well, Tony, it's good to uh, spend some time with you. Absolutely. I, like I said off the air, this would have been, might have been, I probably wouldn't have been as informative, but it might have been more entertaining at dinner the other night. Dinner was very good the other night. The food was good, the company was good, and the wine was better. Wine was great, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Well, let's talk a little bit. One thing I wanted to, I was thinking of things to ask you. So you've been doing this a long time. I'm not going to ask you how long so we don't date anybody. But 40 years. So a long time, right? How has mm -hmm. golf instruction changed over the years from your perspective? And curious, do you think where we are as teachers now in a lot is it is it 
is everything better about what we could do now? Or are there some things you think, Hey, I don't know if this is as good or, or what, but when you look at your career, like how has golf instruction evolved through the years? And first of all, technology has made a huge difference. Mm-hmm. First video, and then, uh, you know, the, the force plates and track man and, uh, 3d. I mean, things like, uh, you know, sports box. Right. Huge, made, made a huge difference. Trackman and the quad, huge difference. And the three different force plates company, uh, S2M, uh, uh, Sport and uh, Swing Catalyst, and the, uh, I mean, all three of them give you information that we couldn't get before. Right. And then when you had the 3D that you get from uh, sports box, you're able to see, it's like having a, um, a way of looking into the person's body. It's a, uh, it's just a better set of eyes. And so, in that respect, it's made us all better. Okay. Okay. The problem is, is that you have an awful lot of teachers who don't know how to utilize the equipment. Wow. Yes. And so, I mean, I see guys with TrackMan trying to zero everybody out. Well, that's not the answer. I mean, uh, somebody who's a cutter of the golf ball who is more of a cover player, the club swing more out to end, uh, they're trying to zero them out. They're going to make them worse. Or somebody who's an under golfer, uh, like uh, uh, Zach Johnson or Dustin Johnson with the path moves to the right, uh, they're going to try to make them move down the line, and they're going to make them worse. Right. So you have to understand who's in front of you. No question and about it. Pretty the same way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and I think, uh, you know, one thing that it seems to me, obviously, you have tons of people come observe you. I've got a couple of folks that will, you know, they'll come hang out and watch. But it seems like with all this technology that, you know, that there's a lot of folks that get into the business. And, like, you know, when when I was coming up, obviously, I had great mentors, and I, I know you did, and you've spent a ton of time with me. Um, you know, I, to me, that was a great learning experience. The opportunity to spend time with people that have one watched other teachers, uh, you know, teachers that have watched other people hit a zillion golf balls and have all this experience. Uh, to me, that's one thing in our business a little bit. I don't know if people are doing as much with all this technology. I'm not saying that's necessarily anybody's fault or it's bad, but like to me, it's hard to replace the time that, you know, I mean, I've been out to watch you on the range or I've been to watch Butch or whoever, right? It's hard to replace. Uh, to me, that's the stuff that I that I hope people don't quit doing just because there's technology. Well, good example. Today I had three instructors watching me, two top 100s and one as a top teacher, and they were watching me the whole day on what I was doing. And rarely do I give a golf lesson. There isn't somebody watching me uh, give a golf lesson. Uh one, it forces me to be on top of everything, and number two, it's a great learning because I, I answer when they ask questions, I answer the questions, and it's good for the student to understand what, why we're doing what we're doing. Absolutely, it's great. So, <clears throat> so do you? Where do you think teaching what we're doing, coaching is? Have you given any thought to like where? What do you think is going to be dramatically different in five or ten years? Have you given any thought to that? I don't think it's going to, there is anything dramatically different. I don't think there's any technology that's going to change uh, things that much. Now, what's going to happen is better understanding. I mean, uh, I've been working with force plates now for almost 20 years. Mm -hmm. 
So I guarantee you nobody in the business has spent as much time with students on force plates as I have. Uh, my partner Terry has been doing uh, 3D for about 15 years. So I guarantee nobody's done that. Plus I've been using uh, a track man or a, a quad or something like that for about the uh, last 18 years. So I feel that I've had a, I've, I've been able to adapt and make the technology part of my uh, teaching. Uh, so that's helped a lot. But you know, uh, I think that's one of the things that uh, the instructors are doing when they're coming is to learn how to utilize the technology in their teaching. Because I do something a lot different than most teachers. I measure every student to figure out, because when you measure them, it tells you exactly the starting point where you need to be, because you need to understand how their body works in time and space. And so it allows me to create a model for them, their own personal model, and work from there, instead of trying to make fitting everybody into a box. Um, so I think what we're going to see in the future, you're going to see a lot more people um, utilizing uh, the modeling system, where they uh, under, they're able to uh, measure and utilize the and, and figure out how the student needs to move in time and space, and they're going to do a better job of using the technology. Yeah, I think that's a big, I, I like the stuff about understanding the technology, you know, and I've always thought that one of the worst things, and I mean, you've, you've told me this before and I've heard, but like one of the worst things you can do as a teacher is to use something and start telling somebody something you don't really understand, you know? Yeah. And, and I remember when I first got Swing Catalyst way, way back and I, I mean, I was dumber than I am now and you know, I, I can remember when I started, because I didn't want to mess anybody up, the biggest thing I did with it was make sure people were balanced at address. Like, I could use that and understood it, right, before I started going and spewing stuff out. And I think that's an I think that's important. We have a lot of young teachers and up-and-coming teachers that listen to this, obviously, and spend time listening to it. And I think that's an important thing. Like, you talked about understanding the technology, but, like, until you understand it, you really – I mean, you got to be careful because – Man, there's some people you could mess up if you don't. And we were talking about this the other day about tour players. It's their livelihood and you could mess up. You could mess somebody up if you gave them the wrong. You could ruin a person's livelihood if you didn't understand something and gave them something on tech. The hundred things you can do to make them worse and maybe one thing you can do uh, that'll make them better. Um, good example, understanding how to use force plates. Well, first of all, is what's called a kinetic sequence. It's not kinematic, it's kinetic. It's how, how everything works. And, uh, the first thing that happens with everybody, not just some people, every person is the lateral happens first or horizontal. The second thing that happens is the torque of rotation. And the final thing that happens is the verticals. Now, everybody uses it in different amounts, but uh, it always happens in that sequence. If that sequence is off, then the, uh, the utilizing of they're not going to create the force that they necessarily need will, uh, if they do it correctly. Uh, Second thing it's understanding there's a time, uh, there's a window that everything happens in. Uh, the peak lateral happens between the top of the backswing and the left arm about at 45. The peak uh, torque happens between the left arm at 45 and the left arm parallel to the ground. So in that window, uh, the peak torque has to happen. And the peak verticals happen between left arm parallel to the ground and shaft parallel to the ground. Mm -hmm. does not happen at impact like everybody thinks. So getting everything to happen at the right time in the right sequence 
is huge to having them helping them hit the ball better. And if they don't know anything more than that, they can start to help people with uh, utilizing force plates. People look at the force plates and they think that uh, it's weight transfer, and it's not. It's how we put force into the ground and how the ground pushes back on us. Absolutely. Now, so let, how do you help people? Okay, so for somebody listening to us and they're wanting to understand that sequence more, like how do you f- – where do you start with somebody, Mike? Like uh, figuring out if their sequence is off, if they're not using the ground clay. Where, where do you start with somebody well, like that? Let's say they start to spin before they've shifted. Right. Well, they're going to have problems. As soon, as soon as you start to spin, uh, the club moves outside. You need that shift to drop the club in the slot so that you can, when you use the rotation, uh, it can deliver in the verticals to add force. And uh, the whole thing is if, uh, if this happens out of sequence, then the, the swing hits the ball, you know, you're going to make bad golf shots. And uh, then once you do that, if you have to happen in the correct window, I mean, and people who are late with one area is going to be late with every area. Right. So that once you affect distance and direction. So getting things to happen in the, in the right sequence and the right timing is vital to hitting good golf shots. So let me ask you this, like, because we get a lot of folks. I mean, I'm sure you do, like, where everybody's, you know, all the, they're concerned about speed, right, and and gaining speed. And obviously, I know you guys, you do awesome with that. But like, how do you? Where do you go? Like, if a guy gets faster, but he hits it, you know, further into the woods, he's not a better player. How? Where do you go on the force plates, or where do you go with the structure? Like, you, how do you help them create speed, but still be able to control the golf ball? Well, you, you first have to get the arms working correctly so they, they're, they're scoring, hitting the ball in the middle of the club face and scoring it up. And if they begin, you get, get them to start to use the lower body better, they're going to miss the golf ball to the right because the uh, rotation, verticals, and horizontal are all club face openers. You know that. Mm-hmm. So then if I threw it or I use verticals or uh, hits moving laterally through it, uh, they, those things all open the face up. So the more dynamic you become, with the lower body, you have to start to strengthen the left hand grip. It's 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 dialing it back in because you have to close you have the club face because otherwise the club face is going to stay open. So you have to have something that's going to close it. So strengthening the left hand grip offsets it. Example: I had had a guy today, that, uh, a good player, and I moved his club head speed from 110 with the driver to uh, 122. So he increased 12 miles an hour, which is a huge amount. Huge. But he started hitting the ball to the right. He said, well, how am I going to do that? And I showed him, I said, we just strengthen your grip. Because I showed him the more open you are uh, with the hips or the more verticals you utilize, the face opens up and the ball is going to go to the right. So I have to strengthen the grip so that it will square up to match how the lower body is. Because the left-hand grip and the lower body have to be a match. And when uh, by strengthening the left-hand grip, all of a sudden his uh, perfect little draw came back. He got excited. Because everything was online and, uh, and and a lot farther. What what did you do to pick up that? What were where did you? So what were the steps? Let's talk about gaining. This guy's gained a ton of speed. It's nuts. What did what did you do? What did you do with well, this? I'll show you. Okay. Yep. It's bad. It's not the same. There's there's no one right answer for everything. It's just a matter of figuring out what is where the power leaks are and unplugging them. 
Okay. So, uh, so what are some things? Let's talk about power leaks. I'm thinking of things that folks are going to want to hear. You know, so what are some of the things? What are more common things you see, folks? I mean, you obviously you get tour players galore to all walks. You know, to all all skill levels that that walk on the T to C. What are some of the more common things that you see with well, players? Power they, leaks. They straight coil in the backswing, and they let the left heel come off. That's mm-hmm. a that's a power. Uh, when they swing the club back and the left arm separates from the body, that's a power leak. Uh, if they get the club going back too far and they let go with one of the hands, that's a power leak. Uh, there's a bunch of different power leaks. Uh, getting off the right right side too quickly mm-hmm. or spinning. There's lots of power leaks. you got to figure out which one is pre- preventing them from hitting the ball the back from distance. Absolutely. So let's talk. What do you do? So you you obviously use a ton of force plates. Um, in fact, you know I know I've I've been up. I saw you at Fiddler's one time, and we're working on some force plates. I think that was like maybe the first time I ever saw dual force plates. To be honest, that was when they were first coming out. Um, yeah, I think that was the first time I actually I'd ever seen anybody on them. Um, so you so you use those a lot. Obviously, how do you integrate? the 3d with what you do uh with with what you do with the force plates like if you've got a student there i know you measure well kind of take us through that process okay well let's say i measure the student his arms are longer than his height okay and his forearm is longer than his upper arm so that tells me those are two steepeners two things going to make the club come down steep well then he has no external shoulder rotation so i have to create a shallower so then I drop his right foot back, closing his stance, and create the shallower, okay? Everything I'm doing is to offset what is missing uh, naturally from his swing, okay? okay. Uh, once I've done that, I've got a way for the club to come down from the inside. Now, uh, left foot flare is going to determine when the club releases. If the left foot is square, the left leg locks up sooner, so the club releases sooner. If the left foot is flared a lot, and the, and the hips get turned through farther, and then the club releases later. So then I, uh, if I want to, if I need to speed up his release, I would start to square his left foot up so that it happens sooner. Or if I need to have, have him um, rotating soon because he's releasing too soon, uh, so I flare the left foot out, which I have him release the club later so I can use it in the right timing. So, you know, it's all a matter, matter of, uh, of working it, it so it works. So yeah, uh, no question. And I mean, t- you know, I always explain it, and you know, it's like you're matching up. It's like an algebra equation when I was in high school. You know, like you got to make both sides of the equation equal each other. You know, or match each other. Uh, well, it is. It is. It is a math problem, and that's all you're doing is adding and subtracting to make it work. So um, no, I think that I think that what. To, let, I've been through, obviously, been through, watched you a, a fair amount. Uh, folks hear all about, you know, being measured and all that stuff. So what type of stuff, if you don't mind, take us through the things that you measure and and, and then kind of why you measure them, why they're important. Uh, because, we're going, like I said, we got a lot of young teachers and stuff, and most everybody knows who the heck you are for sure. But but explain the stuff and the steps that you take before you even. Versus height. If your arms are longer than your ta- than your height is, that means your posture is going to be more erect. When the posture is more erect, the shoulders will turn flatter and the arms will swing more upright. So you need to find a way to, so- to shallow the club out. So uh, that is huge to understand. 
Second thing I'll measure is uh, forearm versus upper arm. If the forearm is longer, uh, it's going to come bring the club down steeper. So I need, and if I don't have any external shoulder rotation, then I need to find a way to shallow the club out. So then I'm closing the stance for those two things to get the club to come down shallower. Um, let's say uh, foot flare. The more I flare the right foot, the deeper uh, I can get in the backswing. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the less I flare the right foot, the uh, less I can, it, uh, it, it, I can minimize the turn. But I can close the stance, which will buy me more turn in the backswing and allow me to come down from a shallow angle attack. If my club is too much in to out, I can open the stance, which will shift the plane down the line more. Um, if I want the club to release sooner, I will close the stance or I will square the left foot up. Both things will cause the left leg to lock sooner, causing the club to release sooner. If I want the club to release later, I will flare the left foot out more or uh, I'll open the stance more. Both things will cause the left leg to lock up later and the club to release later. Uh, I mean, there's so many things I can do to, to make it, uh, to emphasize and change what the student's doing. Um, somebody who's got a, uh, a steep angle, a sh who gets the club trapped behind him because they have too much external solar rotation. Well, that person I'm going to open the stance up because then uh, what it does is it automatically steepens the club and lets it swing down the line and the club won't get trapped behind me. Uh, so everything I'm doing is I'm figuring out what's missing and what I can do to uh, make it work. So how did you get to the – I'm always curious, like, how did you – what pushed you on this road? Like, you know, I know – Tony, yes, Tony I'm highly intelligent. Not I, to be bragging. No, I know that. I'm just saying, like, what – you know, I am a curious person, and I, I'm trying to figure out what things I can do mm -hmm. – in a because the setup is what's writes the script to how they're going to swing the club. Right, for sure. And if we get them set up properly, they can swing the club properly. And uh, the setup is everything. And if I can find figure out what I need to alter in the setup to make it happen, my job is done. What when you hardest thing is to change in swing. For sure. When you're when you're talking with tour players, when you when you have tour players come to you question how much of it is set up versus stuff in the in the golf swing 90 percent of it's set up rarely do i change something that's, that's not set up whether it's grip posture ball position aim and alignment or stance those are the things i'm going to change to get things so they occur because you want them to get better immediately and you want them to be able to transfer the, the skill to the golf course mm-hmm by making the changes in the setup, they're able to readily uh, take it out in the golf course and make the changes. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's where, don't you think that when, like, you know, you see tour players and they start trying to make dramatic changes to the motion, to the swing. Like, have, that's have, what they get lost. Yeah, and, and have you ever seen, like, many of them work, like, where it works really good? Like, where they, at the end, you're like, wow, I mean, that was worth it. Like, I can't put too, I can't think of too many, idea, uh, you know, times that that's happened. Well, Faldo and Ledbetter, uh, that was a dramatic change. Mm -hmm. and, and But you had somebody who had, who practiced and practiced and practiced and made it work, and David stayed on top of him. Uh, that 
not too many of the tour players have that kind of patience. No, no. I mean, you could argue, I mean, Tiger's obviously made some big changes, but, you know, but same type of deal. He'd work as. But has he? Well, there has to have been some changes, huh? There is some changes, but he hasn't made as big a change as everybody thinks. Uh, the biggest change he made was fixing his, his grip. And uh, when he got hurt, it changed the way his lower body worked. Right. But, uh, if you look at Tiger, he his plane usually stays pretty much the same. Mm-hmm. Your arm length is your arm length. It doesn't get longer or shorter. Uh, all of a sudden, they're not cutting inches off or adding inches too. Now, you lose flexibility. Um, you lose range of motion. But uh, then you got to make changes. See, yeah. with, with, a golf, with a tour player, you're only making changes with them is if they've had uh, changes in their flexibility, range of motion. Uh, I mean, they don't get longer arms. They don't get shorter <laughs> arms. I mean, uh, we we treat them like they do. Uh, I've gotten fatter. Were, I've gotten well, heavier. Yeah. <laughs> but then you have to close your stance because you're, uh, you're, you can't get as deep with the arms. So you have to find a way to shallow the club out uh, naturally. I mean, uh, got, all the guys who get fatter always close the stance. All the guys who uh, are too skinny, they got to open the stance because they need to keep the club still out in front of them and not let it get trapped in front of behind them. Uh, I mean, uh, it's a math problem, like I said. Yeah. And all you're doing is adding or subtracting uh, to make it work. What do you think about I ought to call this, what do you think about? Cause I'm just picking your brain, but you know, look on the T now we get a lot of folks that come in, they've read a bunch of social media and, and we get a lot of folks that are obsessed with shallow in the club out. Right. And they watch all these things. Do you, are, do you get a lot of those folks? And like, I mean, I mean, there's some but, people that don't need okay. to be trying to shallow it and don't know how to do Correct. it the right way. Correct. Okay. They think that they got to do it with the arms and it's not, a, it's a shift. From right heel to left ball of the foot, which will drop it into a shallower plane and rotate through. The biggest problem with most amateurs and, mo- and most golf professionals, we teach people to open the hips up as soon as possible. Well, as soon as we do that, the club gets outside mm-hmm. and comes down a steep angle attack. That only works for somebody who's got incredible uh, external shoulder rotation. Uh, that's the only person I would uh, teach them to open the hips first. I'm always teaching them to shift close right so the hips shift close so the club drops to the inside so then they can go ahead and rotate through i don't ever want to see them try to do it with their arms because by trying to do it with their arms now you got a timing issue yeah every person that i've taught i, I should say but that really has tried to do that where they've come and they're trying to do it with the arms i mean they get where they can't hit it at all mike like i mean they can't find it when they start doing that stuff and that's got to be what timing they can't repeat it well, plus they can't. They, they they've got to square the club up. They got to get it on plane, and then they have to find the golf ball. That's a lot happening in you know in two three tenths of a second. Yeah, no question about it. And and I, uh, you know, I mean I, the whole swing your swing thing. But like I love the stuff. Obviously, I've been around you a great deal. But the fact that like you know the way a person's built and how their body moves and what they can and can't do is a huge determinant of what we can actually get them to do not only in a golf lesson but where they actually have a chance to go do it you know when they leave the, the golf, golf lesson and come back 
Right. Well, today I had uh, six lessons, and we increased everybody's club at speed between six and uh, 14 miles an hour with the driver. Mm. And we got them finding the center of the club face. That's a good day. It was a good day. Six happy people. Nobody left pissed yeah. off at you. No. You, you can enjoy a good glass of wine now. Yeah, nobody complained about my rates. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, come tell me that next week. Oh, shoot. No, that's too funny. All right, so a um, couple minutes left here. What advice would you give to somebody that says, hey, you know, I've been struggling and I'm really trying, you know, I want to get on a program. I really want to get better. Right, but I've been lost in the woods. I've been lost for a number of years. Uh, where, where, what would you tell them to do? Well, first of all, I'd ask them. There's some period in their golfing career where they hit it pretty good, mm-hmm. and I said, "Okay, well, what did you do when you were doing that? Okay, why did that work for you?" And then we would build from there. Mm-hmm. I love that. I actually had a tour player, a new one, text me today, sent me some videos, and. You might be proud of me. That's the first thing I said to him was, when you played your very best, what were your thoughts? What were you trying to do? And do you have any videos from then? I mean, you know. I am proud of you. Well, thank you. I'm always proud of you. I know, buddy. I know. You're the best. You're the best. You're now, what about – What about – t- knows what's going on. Well, I appreciate uh, that. That means a lot coming from you. Uh, so actually, this is the last question. It's for teachers because we do have so many young teachers. Somebody getting in the business, um, you know, they love teaching. Love, You know, they've been on all the sides of the business. And they're going to make a go of it just teaching for a living. Um, what advice – and they say they want to be great at it because I think that's important, you know. Uh, what advice would you give them to set them on the right path? Okay, well, first of all, they have to realize they're coming in on the 50th floor. They're not coming in at the base because <laughs> we've already done all the stuff beforehand. And, uh, and where they're coming in, uh, I mean, they're going to be standing on the shoulders of, of, of legends and giants. And uh, find a mentor. Do everything you can uh, to learn what they're doing. Uh, swallow your pride and uh, work your tail off. Measure everybody. Uh, invest in yourself, buy a track man or a quad. Uh, once you've done that, uh, you now have the tools to, to help you get better. Uh, but learn how to utilize them and uh, come, I mean, come see like you spend time with you, spend time with me, spend time with Hack, uh, spend time with Terry. Just, you know, find people who are in the business who knows, who know what's going on and, uh, the reason successful teachers are successful is because they know what's going on. Mm-hmm. And they're, they spend so much time trying to want, figure out what they're saying. In re- reality, the most important thing they can learn is the sequence of how they teach them. Uh, how a, a great teacher, a good teacher has a method. A great teacher has several methods. And a, uh, and a superstar can help anybody because they utilize everything. And once you're able to utilize everything, then you can all of a sudden make people a lot better. And it's all about 
saying less and meaning more. Uh, they don't want you to show them how smart they are. Uh, they want you to show them uh, what they need to do to make it better. Make it simple. Keep it in, uh, down to one or two things that they can do so they can do it and get better. You give them 20 different things that they need to change. No chance. There's no chance. <laughs> if they have three things that need to be working, uh, give them one or two things they work on, then when they come back, fix the next thing, and then the next thing, and then the next thing. And if you do that, uh, you'll have a, a student and friend for life. Absolutely. That's what it's all about. Mike, you're the best. Every time we do this, I learn something. Every time we go to dinner, not only do I have fun, and drink wine, but I, I learned something. I always appreciate your time with me and, and, and your interest in me for whatever reason you took an interest in me. And it's, it's all, it's always it meant a lot and it helped. And I appreciate you taking the time. Well, you helped so many players become really good and start to win on tour. Uh, wanted to figure out what you were doing. That was, uh, that was working. Well, I appreciate that. I, we, I still got a ways to go. So you can count on me coming and hanging out. We'll do this again okay. soon and looking forward to dinner next time. You too. Take care. I hope you enjoyed this edition of The Tour Coach and this conversation that we brought to you about playing, learning, and teaching the game of golf. We'll be back next week with another edition of The Tour Coach. In between now and next week, make sure you follow us on our social channels. You can always find me at The Dew Sweeper on Instagram or go to our YouTube page where you'll see a scene and a video from my teachings daily on our YouTube channel. You can find that by looking up Tony Ruggiero and The Dew Sweepers on YouTube. Until then, make sure you follow and check out Everything Tour Coach and all our sponsors, Shrixon Cleveland Golf, Bushnell, Vineyard Vines, and Buick GMC. I'll be back next week to help all of us appreciate, learn, and enjoy the game of golf.